0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Xfinity. Some things are slow, like snail races. Other things are fast, like Xfinity XFi. Get fast speeds, even when everyone is online, working to make Wi-Fi simple, easy, awesome. More at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply.
1: If you're watching the NFL playoffs, you know that uh, this weekend, the Seattle Seahawks will be playing the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. And
2: those are two football teams, but but what if a Seahawk actually went face-to-face against a Packer? That's a meat Packer is what they're based
1: on. Amy Kite is Animal Care Director at the Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. So, Amy, first of all, is there such a thing as a Seahawk?
3: Not really a Seahawk. I mean, what most people consider a Seahawk or a Sea Eagle even is an Osprey.
2: Okay, how big does an Osprey get?
3: Ospreys probably get to be about 16, 18 inches tall. They weigh usually right around two pounds.
2: Two pounds?
3: About that. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So I'm going to estimate our average meat packer is, let's say, 180 pounds. Okay. So so to make this fair, we have 90 uh, (laughs) osprey versus one meat packer.
3: Okay. Sounds good.
1: If they were to meet in battle, what, what do you think the ospreys' strategy would be?
3: Um, well, I mean, ospreys generally want to stay pretty far from humans. So if they have the chance to escape, that's going to be their thing, is just fly away and, and not deal with the situation. They're defensive-minded. Um, they, uh, yes, very much so. Their main, um, if you were to approach them or you were to really get into a battle with them, so to speak, it's their talents that are the strongest part.
2: What would, what would happen, Amy, if you had, say, 90 ospreys working would they work together against one human
3: um i mean like I said, pretty solitary animals in the wild other than during mating season and stuff so you're generally not going to see 90 of them together um i i would imagine I mean, if you were to, to put it together in this hypothetical situation and you had 90 ospreys on one human and they were in the mindset to take the human out they could do quite a bit of damage with their feet yeah
2: What's like? What's the biggest prey that an osprey would, would try and take down?
3: Uh, well, I mean, it's mostly going to be large fish. Um, really interesting is when they do grab the fish with their talons, if the fish weighs too much or puts up too much of a struggle, they actually often will not let go. So they've found ponds and things that have dried up and actually found ospreys still holding on to fish skeletons on the bottom of the pond because they wow. will not let go once they engage at times. Wow. Um, yeah, really interesting. And, and fishermen have claimed to also have caught fish that still had osprey talons in them.
2: Tenacious.
3: Yeah, very much so.
2: So this this butcher, this packer, <laughs> no matter what happens, these guys are—they're not going to stop really until he's done.
3: Well, yeah. If, if once they engage, they it would definitely take another person to to, to remove the talons from the packer <laughs> if the osprey had latched onto it. There's no doubt. The sharp
4: claws I can deal with.
2: Joining us now is Rob Levitt. He's a butcher, which is as close as we could get to a meat packer. He owns
1: a butcher and larder here in Chicago.
4: And the flying I can deal with to an extent because if they're flying away, then I win, right, by default? Yeah, I guess that's true. Right. It's just if I get a hold of one and the other 89 attacks, then I'm kind of. Yeah. You know, there's only so much I can do at that point. But need- if it was me against a 180 pound osprey. Oh. You know, if you had, like, a super osprey. Yeah. Then maybe, you know, it might be a little more reasonable.
2: Well, maybe, maybe, uh, Rob, you can kind of tell us what are some of your strengths uh, when it comes to a battle, in this case, I guess, like, a hand-to-hand kind of combat.
4: Sure. I think that my advantages are the obvious things like sharp knives.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Sure. Um, assuming I can get a hold of one in time. Um, but I think once I have... Sort of. Once I have the osprey in my grasp, I have a pretty a pretty good knowledge of its weaknesses in terms of its you know its joints and its anatomical weaknesses. Yeah. So, okay. You know, like I'm familiar with the anatomy, the, the makeup of you know its its body construction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what about what about demeanor? Let's say you're um, you're being descended upon by ninety sea birds. What, how are you? How are you feeling? <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, you know, I'm feeling like I've been thrust into a Hitchcock film. Um, Sure. But once I get past that, I mean, butchers can be fairly calm people. You know, we know that we generally have a big task ahead of us, and it's very physical work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're also used to getting lots of little nicks and cuts and scratches, so I feel like we would have a better chance than most at at surviving, you know, a multi-talent swoop. Because well, we have a little, you know, we have a sort of a thicker skin, um, and we can we can sort of handle the pain and the you know and dealing with that a little more readily than, than your average person.
2: Would you find it? Would Would you consider in going into this battle to uh, wear a, a bloody apron that you would you would use? You know, the the outfit that you would wear. Would you Would you use one covered in blood, like you just freshly butchered a cow?
4: Um, I will say that um, a lot of butchers, especially ones that do a whole lot of production, where um, they wear helmets and they wear chainmail aprons and they have wrist guards that are, you know, made so that you don't jab a knife into your into your wrist. And there are um, chainmail cut-proof gloves. All this stuff is available in pretty much any commercial butcher supply catalog. So at my at my immediate disposal is lots of sort of modern-day armor that would help Protect me from an Osprey attack?
2: Well, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to this matchup. Thanks, Rob.
4: <laughs> sure, anytime.
1: So, Jillian, you bring your mic up.
5: I'm here. Okay. So,
1: layout, who, how do you think this battle's going to go?
5: I feel that Ospreys are very determined creatures. I feel like our butcher friend is very stoic, ah. very brave, um, strong of heart. Um, but I like, I sort of feel like the Ospreys will just fly away and I, I like that image. Um, and I think that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the losers. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give it to the Seahawks, um, for their graceful departure and being the better person in this.
2: So they, they won't engage in a fight. Mm, With Rob.
5: Yeah. So I think, if anything, what the Seahawks should do on Sunday is um, just have a sit down. And hopefully that that should seal it for them.
1: I do think that if on Sunday the uh, Packers and the Seahawks met and the Seahawks football team flew away, they would give the win to the Packers.
2: But I think Jillian's right that everyone else would think that was a victory for the Seahawks because they've learned how to fly. Seahawks win. All right. We got an email from Brian. He says he and his young son, Henry, have a question for us. Brian, what can we help you with?
6: Henry and I... Uh... This really started with dinner table conversation because uh, my wife is a big fan of baby spinach, and I, I frequently comment that it would be a lot easier to eat if it was called teenager spinach because um, we have two teenagers also. <laughs> okay. And it got us going on a conversation about why baby spinach is baby spinach—is it young or is it small? Like we, we really didn't know.
1: Huh. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a whole there's a whole. You know, genre of food There's baby carrots and baby corn I don't know about any of it If it's another another vegetable strain
2: entirely Or if it's just actual babies Yeah I guess that's kind of terrible If they are actual babies that we're eating
6: that, That's what I imply to the kids And uh, of course, they don't really like that So it would, it would help us out with that conversation If we uh, have a little clarity on that and, and the kids would probably appreciate me Not talking about it anymore <laughs>
1: Well, we're, we're going to attempt to get to the bottom of this.
6: Okay, well, I appreciate that.
1: There, there is a real answer here, and online with us now is Nate Sumner. He's an operations manager at Heritage Prairie Farm near Elburn, Illinois.
2: So, Nate, is baby spinach a baby spinach? Yes. Really?
1: Yeah. So it's young, it's infant spinach.
7: Yes. Yeah. If you took a baby spinach plant and, and let it grow out its days, it would end up becoming the full-size spinach that you would buy as you know, adult spinach. Um, it's not like it's a different type of plant, um, but it's it's more of a uh, how-you-grow-it type
1: thing. So if I took uh, I took, let's say, just sort of your average spinach seed, put it in the ground, if I pick it early, it's baby spinach. If I wait, it's regular spinach.
7: Correct. Now on a, I mean, if you had a single spinach seed, then that's exactly, you know, how how you would do it.
2: Brian asked about uh, whether or not he could eat teenage spinach. Is there such a thing?
7: Well, I don't know about the spinach world, but the, the, the whole, like, baby greens thing has really kind of uh, exploded lately. And so... You know, there's there's a whole spectrum of greens, and so yeah, you can eat teenage. You can eat. I mean, listen, we we harvest our microgreens when they're two, you know, about two weeks old, and that's like the first time where there's you know, and you can even go earlier than that, and you can have you know sprouts.
2: So like like prenatal greens.
7: That would probably be sprouts. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let me ask you this: uh, you know, you're
1: uh, spending time with these plants. I I know that when I see a baby, I definitely treat a baby differently than I treat an adult. Uh do you you know do you feel a a, so, a soft spot for the baby spinach?
7: Sure. I, I on a regular basis, you know, uh we'll walk through the greenhouse full of microgreens and you know, your 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 voice when you talk to the plants, all, I don't know if you, all farmers talk to their plants. That's not a weird thing, it's a normal thing.
1: Okay, whatever um, you say.
7: Uh but you know, your voice goes up like a couple of octaves. You have to you have to be a little bit more gentle with them.
1: Wait, so how does that Do do your do your voice as if you were talking to a baby spinach, and then do your voice as if you were talking to regular spinach.
7: Okay, so baby spinach voice, you know, hey guys, how's it going? Right, you kind of like end on a higher octave, and then your adult spinach voice is, you know, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Talk to appear there, you know sure. what I mean?
1: Man to man.
2: Exactly. Well, this is great. Thanks, Nate. That's it, huh? Easy peasy. Hey, Nate, do you do you guys grow peas? We do. Do you say that when you're picking the peas, easy peasy? No,
7: they're, they're actually one of the more difficult things. I don't know where that phrase came from. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: So it should be hard peasy.
7: It should be, but it doesn't rhyme. All
2: right, well, no. thanks anyway, Nate.
7: You got it, guys. Thanks.
1: Now, this might surprise you, but How To Do Everything is not the only program produced by NPR. No, the other show is called Invisibilia. It's a new podcast. Their latest episode explores what would happen if you could get rid of fear, and reveals the striking and rare case of a woman with no fear.
2: Invisibilia comes from the people who created This American Life and Radiolab, and it looks at the invisible forces that shape human behavior. Subscribe
1: to Invisibilia on iTunes now and don't miss a single episode. Don't.
2: We heard from Pauline. Pauline says she listens to How to Do Everything while her and her family are knitting in the living room after dinner.
1: Pauline, these next 15 seconds are for you. I I guess, uh, Pauline, we're not just talking to you right now. We're talking to your whole family uh, knitting together and i think one of your
2: children just dropped a stitch
1: i what i'm picturing here is that not only is your whole family knitting together but that you're knitting a single sweater that each of you it has enough head holes arm holes and a single large body hole that you can all wear it together as a
2: family this is the thi- this is literally the fabric that binds you guys together that holds this family close and
0: so when out-
2: hey, Rich, what can we help you with?
0: Hey, well, um, a few weeks ago, a gentleman came to the door at our home. Uh, he identified himself as a former federal agent and showed my wife and I several pieces of paper identification as well as a cool, shiny badge. He said he was performing a, a background check on a friend of mine who huh. works for the government. Um, So we told him we would help, but wouldn't provide anything that we thought was private or sensitive information, because we really had no way of knowing this guy was who he claimed to be. Yeah. Yeah, that really got me wondering, you know, how can I verify anyone who claims to be some sort of an official or agent and flashes a badge is really legitimate? Did the guy let you hold the badge? No, I mean, he would hold it out to inspect it, but right away I was thinking I could look at this all day and really have no idea.
1: And he had you said he had some paper identification too. What were what was that?
0: It um, it was from his uh, uh, I guess former days when he was uh, uh, an agent with the ATF. And again, it had so much writing and such on it that what was I? How would I verify? You know, his, his claims.
2: What would be on those documents, though? Is it a note from his boss saying that this guy is, in fact, a federal agent? But I, I don't know who any of these people are.
0: I would look for official seals, maybe with a government green, mm-hmm. like maybe like an eagle holding some arrows or something, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Okay, we're going to call the FBI. Joe
2: Carrico is special agent in charge of the Chicago Division. Agent Carrico, what do you have for Rich?
8: Uh, the probably the most primary thing you'll see initially is their credentials, which will have their uh, a picture as well as their signature on it, and and clearly state FBI. In uh, pretty bold letters on our on our official identification, and then most agents uh, will have their their official duty badge as well, which is a, a gold colored badge. Uh, but most commonly, when when you're uh, approached or uh, an agent comes forward, they're going to show you their uh, their credential identification, which has which has their photograph, name, FBI, the director's signature, and so on. A very official uh, uh, document. Uh, but even with that, uh, in today's day and age, you really want to ensure that, uh, uh, that you are talking to someone who is a- actually an FBI agent. And, and the agents understand this, that you would like to verify the information, and so you'd like to uh, contact their office and ask for their, the phone number for their office and who their supervisor is. And the agent should be willing to provide you that information very easily uh, and rather than just using that information, look it up yourself using you know Google or uh, some form of a of a search and and verify it through the office
1: i I remember reading uh, i think last year that um, some absurd percentage of people who say that they were Navy seals are lying uh you know in a bar to pick up women or something they'll say oh yeah you know i'm a navy seal let me say let's say if you were in a bar and you heard a guy uh you know a couple stools down talking about being in the fbi he's a you know he's not on duty might not have his badge with him if you wanted to confirm what what would be a couple questions you would ask that guy
8: uh in that circumstance i would probably ask them where they're assigned what office what division
2: would you ever challenge him to like a uh, uh like a physical match of some kind, where you would use your your FBI training to take him down.
8: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we've ever had to come to uh, doing defensive tactics or anything in a uh, location to, and uh, and there's not a uh, secret handshake such as uh, the fraternities and sororities around the country have, uh, but um, so so not not really, not really. Um,
2: that would simplify things, though. Let's be, let's be honest. A handshake would really eliminate a lot of the questions.
8: <laughs> That's true.
2: <laughs>
1: well, thank you so much for, for helping out Rich today.
8: Oh, not a problem at all.
2: You know, it's it really is a shame that the FBI doesn't have a secret handshake. If anyone should have one, it's them. They're an elite specialist crew. There's not very many of them. We should get them one. You know who's good at handshakes? NBA superstar
1: Jeremy Lin. Seriously, he's really good at handshakes. He has really elaborate handshakes with
2: his teammates. So, Jeremy, can you help out the FBI? <laughs> um, you
6: know, I I, could, I guess I have a couple of tips. Um, well, first, you know, you got to find something that is a common interest or an inside joke uh, or a couple of things, and then you create uh, a unique handshake out of it, and it can't look like anybody else's handshake. Otherwise, that gets boring.
1: Well, it might be hard to do over the phone, but uh, if you can you describe one of your favorite handshakes that you've had with a, a teammate?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, so the one with Landry was actually really intricate and complicated and long, which is exactly what we wanted because we felt like coming from Harvard and Stanford, we wanted to make a handshake that other people wouldn't always understand, you know, to try to, like, make ourselves feel smarter or whatever.
1: Right. <laughs> um,
6: so, and then right now, I have one with Nick Young where uh, people call us a lot of the times they call us rush hour, you know, with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. So Right. Um we just created one where we're kinda imitating what, what those characters were doing in that movie.
2: So is it a conversation that you have with these guys? Like like, hey, you know what we need to come up with our handshake. Um, what are you into?
6: Um it's sometimes
2: it, it it's never really like an official conversation. It just kinda like happens
6: sometimes like like we'll be you know, because you give everyone a high five before the game anyways. Um so sometimes we'll give each other a high five and then one person will do something funny or sometimes um you know, like when we got to when we got to L, or when I got to LA, a couple of teammates um had seen like had seen a, uh, some of my YouTube videos, so they came up to me and were like, Hey, we need to create a really cool handshake So um that's how some of it happened and then once other once you create that handshake and other people see a handshake then they want to create one as well and so now the whole a lot of the team has handshakes with each individual player so we all have our different handshakes it's pretty cool
1: well you're you're very experienced with this you've come up with handshakes uh with a lot of different players do you want to just throw out some ideas maybe come up with one that the fbi uh we assume they're listening to this that they would uh they would want to adopt <laughs>
6: Um, yeah, I mean, maybe like, uh, you know, maybe if they think about one of the toughest things that they had to go through, um, in their, in their training, or, uh, maybe if, you know, I don't know if they have a way that, you know, when they get to work in the morning or they have some, some type of, you know, mantra or motto that they have, you can incorporate that in there as well. Um. You know, those are just a few ideas. But it definitely has to be something that the average person, when they look at it, would be like, I have no idea what that is, what is that. You don't want them to ask the question, and then you don't tell them what it is.
2: Have you ever tried anything in a handshake that didn't work?
6: Um, you know, when you're experimenting, sometimes you'll do something and I'll be like, no, 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 no that doesn't work. Like, we, had, I had one teammate this year. I won't say any names. But he came up with an absolutely awful handshake, and I repeated it right, right then and there. And, and we came up with a much better one. Um, so there are definitely times when you know you'll come up with bad ideas, and that's where you know friends have to be friends and just come in and not let them do dumb
1: handshakes. Was it Kobe? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, let Let's say that you came upon a uh, a bank robbery, right? And it, okay. it was be, it was being worked out. the The cops were there. Then the FBI shows up. You saw uh, two FBI cars. The guys get out and then they do an elaborate handshake with all sorts of crazy moves. What would your feeling be about uh, their, their capability to solve that crime?
6: Oh, I'd be, I would be so encouraged because I'd be like, look, they're on the same page from the start, they're on the same page, and they have a lot of like confidence and swag because they just got out of the car and did it. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of funny. That gave me another idea that they come in, and then they, like, Remove like jurisdiction from the police, or if they're like going there to kick the police out and take over the investigation, you could use like a you know your foot to like signify like kicking somebody out, and that could be part of the handshake, I don't know, yeah, you know, you could do all
1: types of stuff
2: absolutely, wow, and really, all they've done is they've just they've just kind of expressed and displayed their unity in the face of these bumbling local cops, <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah, exactly and it's intimidating but then at the same time it's fun and and they can do something where it's like it gets them going
2: a little bit you know yeah I mean that's the FBI for you intimidating and fun
1: (laughs) well thank you so much for uh, for helping out I guess for helping out the FBI
6: oh no problem (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you to the FBI for everything they do for us
2: that does it for this week's show what we learned today Mike I learned that baby spinach is they're really babies. Yeah. That is young infant spinach. I feel like I, it would be a very different life for a farmer if
1: baby spinach cried periodically the way babies do. So you're you were constantly having to pick up the plant to soothe it.
2: Yeah. Well, I, like babies, they would really respond to the human warmth, that connection. Probably with their mom or or even with their dad. It would make it easy to find baby spinach in the
1: supermarket because you could just follow the screaming. I learned that uh, Seahawks are osprey, Mm -hmm. and that osprey, when they grab onto something, they don't let
2: go. I think that's perfect for a football mascot because it is. I mean, in the abstract, it's like, oh, it's a bird. That's not, okay, it's not very menacing. It's not even a real bird necessarily. But now that I know that they will sacrifice their talons to get a fish. That's pretty awesome.
1: I mean a hol- holding on to something and never letting go, it's it sounds romantic. Unless you're talking about a bird of prey
2: eviscerating a fish.
1: It's a way it's yeah area where two the same phrase can mean two really different things.
2: If you love something, hold on to it forever, even to the point where you're gonna die because you're you won't let go of it. Your love for it will literally drown you they will later find your dried out skeleton on a seabed clutch still clutching the fish yeah it's it's beautiful it is
1: how to do everything is produced by Jillian Donovan with technical direction from Lorna White
2: our intern this week is Henry in Okinawa Japan get us your questions at howto at npr.org and visit our website how to do everything I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks.